Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. To build a long-term successful enterprise, when you don't close a sale, open a relationship. And that is a quote by Patricia Fripp. And I want to welcome you again to The Profitable Photographer. And I also want to ask a favor. Doing a podcast is like throwing notes in a bottle and hoping it lands on shore somewhere. I'm a person who thrives on words of affirmation. That's my love language. If you look back on, um, sorry, there's the cutest squirrel. That's what's been eating my pomegranate squirrels. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was a real, you know, usually it was like squirrel. There's actually a squirrel out there on my fence eating a pomegranate. Mystery solved. Okay. Anyway, I would love more feedback. I'm upping my Instagram game. Uh, so I'd love if you'd follow me and also I'm joining YouTube. So I love for you to comment, share, email me. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> All right. That being said, today's guest is not a stranger. It's a good friend that recently I got to see in person. And it's Jeff Dachowski. Now, who is this neat guy? <laughs> He's an award-winning master craftsman photographer. He's owned a highly profitable studio. And you know, we like highly profitable everything with his lovely wife, Carol, in New Hampshire since 2003. How'd I do with my foreign accent? Yeah, you did pretty well. You sound more Boston, but it's all right. New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. New Hampshire. Okay. New Hampshire. Jeff is the president of Professional Photographers of America until March 2023. He's an internationally approved PPA juror certification jug and a vatican approved photographer jeff hey vatican approved photographer yeah what is that so uh if you would like to photograph papal visits or photograph for the pope or of the pope or photograph and have press credentials within the vatican or within their system you have to be an approved vatican photographer and so there's a process in which you go through the background check and they look at your work to make sure you're professional. They run you through Interpol and they run you through all the, the Swiss card background check and um, oh. then you get approved. Wow. There you are. All right. So add that to your bucket list. Little badges that I have for when I go to photograph the Pope. Have you photographed the Pope? I've, I've been assigned five times to photograph the Popes. Yeah. Oh. When he comes to the U.S. or? Uh, no, I photographed the popes four different times in, in Europe and once in Canada. Wow. That's very cool. The new pope, how many times have you? So it's uh, the so we photographed uh, Pope Francis four times and Pope Benedict once. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't finish my bio, but I was like, <laughs> Vatican approved. I need to know more. <laughs> All right. Jeff is the president of the Society of 25. And not only that, he's super fun and a really great human. <laughs> so, hey, Jeff, how are you? 
Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I just want to just correct one thing. And I know that's from an old, from the last time. I'm not the current president of uh, Society of XXV. Okay. Uh, that's uh, Monica Sigmund. So I just want to make sure. I don't want to take anything from anyone. I, yeah. I was uh, president for three years, I think, at XXV. And now I'm not. I'm just a plain old member. Past president, then we can. Past president. I just don't want to take anything from someone else, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I want to uh, chat about, since you're Mr. PPA and and I'm a lifetime member and a big um, cheerleader for PPA. Well, first of all, what is the Professional Photographers of America? It's a good start. So PPA, Professional Photographers of America, PPA, is the world's oldest and largest photographic association. In fact, we're one of the oldest associations of all time. There's only a couple other associations ever that were created prior to PPA. We're over 150 years old. And our goal really is to help move photographers forward in their craft and their and what they want to do, meaning uh, help them create enough business for themselves and enough profit for themselves so that they are producing a business that provides for their family or supports them emotionally or artistically or whatever they decide. Mm. So we certainly want to support them in all of our endeavors. We are well known for adding insurance products to our membership over the last couple of years. It's been a big deal. We're big proponents of your craft. As I know you know, we're a big fan of the photographic uh, competition and evaluation. We have the uh, a long-running uh, merit image review, or uh, IPC is what it was called for many years. In February, we started a new merit image review, which is a bit of a different game for our members, and that it's monthly versus once a year. Mm. And we also lobby on part of small on behalf of small creators uh, of the world. We got the Case Act passed at the end of 2020. What is that? The Case Act is a uh, an act that created a small claims tribunal, so that if your work was infringed on, see, and your work, your copyright is a federal right, meaning that if someone um, infringes on your right, steals one of your photographs or part of your photograph, and they hurt you, they harm you by taking your work. Uh, currently, or prior to the Case Act, you had to bring your your work, your case to federal court, which mm. was extremely expensive endeavor. And if your infringement was only two or four or $10,000, your attorney's fees were equal around $100,000. Yeah. And so it didn't make a lot of sense. Most infringements weren't big. And so PPA lobbied, uh, created a, a network of other um, small creative artisans like the Copyright Alliance that we work together to create and pass the Case Act which creates a small claims type court for copyright. So um, we're going to sit everything. Things it took us 10 years to pass that. And if you know anything about trying to pass laws in this country, if you're not a massive organization, it's almost impossible. Yeah. It's incredible. Our members did this with their support, which is yeah. kind of incredible. Yeah. We're about 35,000 members right now. Oh, it's at all. That's awesome. <laughs> and most years at the national convention, there's 10, 11,000 people. Yeah, 10 to 12,000 people. I'm, That's hoping great. To, I'm hoping to see 12,000 people this year at Nashville in January yeah. at the 2023 IUSA. And it's a great way to make new friends. And oh, years man. later, when you have a podcast, 
you know, people like Jeff and say, hey, get on my show. I mean, this is my second visit here to see you, Lucy. And I mean, I, I warmly reflect back to San Antonio where we had never met, but we were we knew each other via a forum, a, a, the PPA online forum, like essentially the loop today. Mm-hmm. And so we sat and we had, we went to the opening reception and we sat at a table together and chatted for an hour or so. And that's what I love about, you're right, that's exactly right. PPA offers a whole lot of things. But the ability to connect with a bunch of people from around the world is it's unparalleled in the value. Yeah. His name's not coming to me right now, but the gentleman from Russia, St. Petersburg, those Sergey. Yes, he's been on my show. And you know, once you meet him, he's your new best friend from right. Russia. So by the way, I just realized this show's been in 91 countries. That's almost half the countries in the world. Congratulations. Thrills me. I would love to hear from people in other countries. So I wanted to say something about the copyright. People's Court, at lunchtime, I watched the People's Court, and there was a copyright infringement issue from a wedding. Yeah. And the judge ruled against the photographer because he hadn't registered. Yeah. So he took it. So I called PPA and I'm going to have the head of the copyright division on my show shortly. But I asked him what gives. And he said, before you file a lawsuit, you need to simply register those images. So that was a surprise to me because I was I was like, Judge Marilyn, Marilyn, you are wrong. And no, she was right. So. Yeah, and and the, just for what it's worth, the people's court is a different uh, it's a different thing because what's happening is it's actually arbitrate. You're actually watching arbitration, right? To a court, okay, and so they may they're they're working with a a defendant and a plaintiff, both of whom who have agreed to be on television to hear their their arbitration. sure. And so normally, a small judge in California who is not a federal judge wouldn't decide copyright cases, but it's good TV, right? It was accurate information that yeah you've got to register your images if there's a, an infringement. There is one of the things PPA is working on is a change to the copyright office in that process, mm. where, where the see an image once it's created is copyrighted. Okay, once the image is clicked, the human author of that image is the one who owns it. Mm-hmm. So the camera, the one who pressed the button. It all depends, but the one who presses the button is the copyright holder. And if you imagine a latent piece of film that's undeveloped, that image is still copyrighted, mm. even if it's under, even if it's not a, not developed yet. So once it's created, it's copyrighted. Mm-hmm. But, then, but if you want to take it to the next level and say, "I want to sue for damages," then every attorney will tell you, "Please, you get registered." In fact, there's an emergency registration process within the U.S. Copyright Office for, for a situation where I remember some years ago when Britney Spears married a, a young kid from Missouri and they used his yearbook photo. Mm. And Harper did an emergency registration of the image and everyone ran this kid's yearbook photo. Mm. Made a fortune in, in infringement. Interesting. Britney Spears was the top of her game at that point. He was married. She was married for like nine days or, or some yeah. really short amount of time. Yes. I forget his name, but 
that was a, a really famous infringement case mm -hmm. that revolved really around an emergency registration. And did somebody win? Oh yeah. He won a lot of money because uh. everyone ran the everyone ran the photo. Yeah. Thinking it was fine and fine. Yes. Now I have a this is a little sideline, but you can buy digital copies of yearbooks. And the yearbook I created is in there. I'm like, how do they have permission? Do they have permission? Did they just get somebody's yearbook and and sure. copy it all? And nobody's challenged that because this was now I was doing it with the school, but you know, it's my baby. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a irrelevant. I write the school probably gave, gave permission because of their publication as opposed to your right. Your part of the public. Perhaps. Right. Yeah. Or they just figured, what is it? You ask apologize rather than ask permission, because they have hundreds of of yearbook downloads anyhow but if somebody wants their old yearbook you can look it up i can't remember where it is anyway, i don't want to sidetrack all the good stuff you have to share about selling photography oh man that's my passion yeah me too me too we just spent an hour and a or two hours speaking about it in person and as your uh, ssdc group which is a great group i had a great visit there mm -hmm. Coming to that, and you know, for me, sales is you know. Years ago, I went to this, I went to this little photography school in Western Massachusetts called the Hallmark Institute of Photography. And George Rosa Senior, he owned a place called the Hallmark Color Labs. He's not his son. His son George Rosa George Rosa Junior is a different fellow. But George Rosa Senior, he created the, this Hallmark Lab. And it was a, a type of lab you would mail your film in and make proof and they'd sell prints and that sort of thing. And he uh, started by creating a, a photography studio and then no one, there wasn't a lab to service him. So he created a lab and felt I'd make a lot more money if I just printed people's photos than if I shot them. But he had a motto that the school was, which from the school, from the creation of it was nothing happens till the sale is made. Mm. And so I remember hearing that at 18 or so when I uh, went to photography school and the school itself was not an art school. It was a business photography school. It did it was one year, eight hours a day, mm. Monday to Friday, the business of photography, you know, from learning how to do headshots to, I know, gaff, retouching on negative film and you use <laughs> retoucher and the sprays in which we'd remove, you know, blemishes and that sort of thing with mm. pencils and doing all that retouching to how to market your business and how to how to develop your film and print it and, and do all the things. It was critiques and photographic competitions and all the things that you would expect from an older school. The school has since gone out of business, but for many years, it thrived. There was like 200 students there at one point. Wow, I should have gone. <laughs> so, but schools have changed a lot, but that was a, a, a big interesting point to me. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens till the sale is made. Mm -hmm. I think way back to when I was 18, even though I wasn't shooting professionally then, that kind of jumped in and said, you know, as, as you've heard me say, and forgive me because you've heard me say a lot of these things, but my photography is not stellar. I produce solid work and I produce merit work frequently and I enter photographic IPC and I, I'm involved in that. I want to do well uh, for marketing for my clients, but 
uh, as it all comes down to it, though, uh, sales is the only reason you can stay here for any length of time. Like you can fund it yourself, but you need your clients to enjoy your work enough that they're willing to part with part of their income. Yeah. So you need to have good sellable photography. It doesn't have to be great. But you, for, for us, the big change was when we started trying to collaborate with our clients versus selling them stuff. Collaborate. So tell me what that is. Yeah. The difference between selling is I, you walk in as my client and I'm determined that you're going to buy X amount of products, 10000 3000 2000 whatever dollars. But a collaboration between myself and my, and my client looks more like, okay, so this year we want to put up a wall portrait, but I want to hear what you're saying about what your needs are. And it's not about my needs. It's we can work together that hopefully you purchase enough product for me that I can stay in business and be profitable. But also I don't want you to be feel like you're being sold because it's not the case. My clients want my work, meaning not because I made it, but because someone they love is in those photos. Mm-hmm. They called me and said, can we photograph a session? I say, yes, we spend the time talking about the clothing. And it's an important time in their life that we want to document whatever, whatever the reason is, right? Whether it's a one-year-old portrait or a senior portrait or a family portrait because their student from West Point is home or, or whatever. But if we work together to solve the problem they have, which is they need a family portrait or portraits of their children on the wall, then sales become very easy. It's not me trying to sell. It's me trying Mm -hmm. to, I'm trying to help them achieve what they want to achieve. So my one question here is because I feel like my clients don't know they need it until I help them understand it. I don't very often get clients that say, hey, Lucy, I want a wall portrait. Every now and then, this family back here, yes, they knew she had a, family that was all together and she came to me wanting something uh, for her home. But many people, it starts with, we need a portrait of our baby, of our family, of our something. And nowadays, the first thought is, and we'll get digital files and then we'll, I don't know, we'll figure out what to do with it later. So is that not the experience there in New Hampshire? Are people like knocking down the door <laughs> to buy wall no, portraits? No one's ever really knocking down the door at a, at, a, at a portrait studio, right? I mean, this isn't, we're not in a mall photographing 18 or 25 sessions a day. We are a lower volume. We probably photograph 60 family sessions a year and a variety of, you know, other, other portraits, headshots and, and senior portraits and that sort of thing. Um, but my experience is that part of my branding is what tells people ah. they're going to be buying ball portraits. We, we, we try to illustrate in our social media people standing with their finished portrait versus standing holding a digital download. Right? It doesn't mean we don't produce you know, images on Facebook for our clients to share, but we certainly are branded our, our, our studio in our area that we, sell, we produce and sell wall art. You know, so that you can enjoy it every day without a device. Got it. Like our, all you need is your light, light, and your eyes to view and enjoy our portraits. You don't need an iPad, a computer, a LED TV, or anything. You just need light and eyes. Ah. And as you know, Ken Whitmer always says, it's the most spoken about piece of furniture you'll ever own. Mm. So 
Oh, I wish I could interview him on this show, Jeff. That's yeah, that's, I know. <laughs> Ken Ken was an amazing guy. I only met him a few times. I never got a chance to study with him. I wish I had, but he was a brilliant guy who loved wall art and he loved what it did for families and he loved art. These portraits traveled through people's homes and became part of their furnishings. So yes. really appreciate what Ken did for our industry. Yes. By extension, I love what Ken did for all these families who are clients of mine and other people who oh. have been touched by Ken. Now they've been drawing all these family portraits up for years and years and years. Right, right. So what I'm hearing is that you're creating a desire by your branding that of a wall portrait photographer in many levels so that by the time they come to you, if they're alive, like, hey, Jeff, I want a portrait rather than maybe some giveaway program or something where they're not sure, you've layered it so much that then they do feel that need um, when they come to you very often. Like the soil is fertile and. Yeah. I mean, right. When people call in general, I'm not saying that people don't call and say like, unlike files. Uh, I don't, I personally, we don't happen to sell files and we are knocking. If you, if you do, if you're out there listening, you sell files, that's totally, that's your business choice. And for us, we don't sell files because we, we know it's a lot of effort to produce the work, to get good at your craft uh, and there's very limited amount of benefit for me, the artist, to sell just files. One of the worst things about it is that the images will never be printed. And therefore, the legacy in which I'm so interested in helping my clients be, like create, there is no legacy. Right. You know, we, we can say all we want and we put them in an Amazon cold storage or we store them on, you know, a million different places. But when they're just zeros and ones somewhere in the cloud, they're not preserved anywhere. Right. They're one step away from being wiped from right. forever. So a ball right. portrait or an eight by ten or a five by seven or whatever, a printed copy is far more likely to be rescued from a fire than a thumb drive. Right. You know, or a uh, a disc. And so we would prefer to put our efforts into legacy. It just feels better, and our clients know that because we've discussed it. And when they call. And ask for files. We just explain that we don't we don't produce that. We don't offer it. I mean, honestly, if they asked us if we sold, you know, rotisserie chickens, we'd also say no. <laughs> like it's a pretty easy thing. It's a pretty easy thing. We don't sell chicken here. So <laughs> we don't sell rotisserie chickens. We're gonna let Costco or BJ's or whoever sells rotisserie chickens. Yeah. We don't sell them. Yeah, I love that. Wall portraits. Yeah. And if they're not if they're not our client, which I think there's a lot of people who aren't our clients, we fully are okay with it and we we let them self-identify that they're not a good client and we wish them well. And if they, we well, we close with the phrase if something happens to change, we'd love to make wall art for you. Yeah. You know, because that may be that they're they are a, uh, a a client who wants files today, but has decided after they have gone through the trouble, had images not retouched had a family who didn't care for their portraits and then they had to go find a printer and print it and mount it and glass it and mat it and frame it and hang it that some people change their minds and say, I would much rather that the service was just completed for me. 
Right. So right. those are the type of people we're looking for who want who want portraits. Right. Yesterday when I was coaching, uh, helping this amazing photographer who was switching to doing in-person sales, I, I said, I was pretending she was my client and the question of, do you sell digitals? And I said, my commitment is to offer the absolute best of me and my work and my talents and my expertise and my time that I can possibly offer to each and every client. And that to me is to help you select and then print the the ones you're going to treasure forever. So for that reason, I'm a full service photographer. And I never said it quite that way. And I was like, I like that. Hey, I want to pause one sec and then I want to show you something. So if you're listening in podcast land, you can go to YouTube land and you can see this. This is in regards to your, you only need eyeballs and some light. And I found this. Yeah. In a trunk at my mother's house that I think came from my dad's mother's. And my sister does not look like me or my mom's side of the family. Neither does her daughter or her granddaughter. But they look like this woman. And it's a tintype. So is it maybe 150 years old? 1880s? When Do you yeah, know? Somewhere when? That time. Yeah, 135 yeah. or 144 or something. Yeah, if that was a digital file, it would have been gone years and years ago. Yes. Okay. It wouldn't have survived a single generation. So here's my sister who looks more like this woman. Yeah, isn't that awesome? 150 years later. So now she she got the good genes where she doesn't put on weight, but I'll forgive her for that. But I'm so grateful to the person, you know, I don't know who that is. The sad part is there's nothing written. So I don't know who that is, but I know it's family. But six generations, that's probably six generations said, this is a photograph and there's value to it. Right. And they kept passing it on. Right. Because it had value to it because they knew what it was. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, I, I liken it. So for me, again, you know that I'm always dropping funny things. It's like, it's like going to a doctor and asking to do an x-ray and then taking the x-ray home and saying, I'll take it from here. Oh, that's good. Right. It's like, I want to diagnose it myself. I'll just go on to Shutterfly and figure out what the problem is. Or no, uh, I'll go on to, you know, WebMD, figure out what's bothering me. <laughs> And then I'll go. I'll go on to a website uh, that will help me get the the. I'll treat myself. Right. I'll buy sutures and. Yeah, I'll buy some sutures myself, and and it's not that you can't, of course, self-diagnose some issues or be aware of your body and do good things like that. that certainly, that's that's a benefit. In fact, there's many restaurants that function for many many years. Yet supermarkets are also prevalent, right? There's there are times when 
uh, a digital file for your phone is all that's needed. Mm -hmm. And other times it's not. And so that's why we're not trying to be everything to all all people at all times. Right. When it's time to preserve something and keep legacy, that's when we should be involved. Right. You know, so we're not going to go to a birthday party likely and photograph candidates. Your phones are fine for that. And honestly, if we miss an image from a from a birthday party from 20 years ago, well, it might be sad, but it's not tragic. But having no pictures of your six-time great-grandmother, which is who that might be, right? That's yeah. that's sadness. Like that's that's not legacy. So we're we are definitely trying to focus on the legacy because honestly, and there's no profit in providing a service that much many people can do for themselves for free. Right. And but we also don't again subscribe that you need to hire a professional photographer for every moment of your life, right? Like someone asked me today, we do our we do our a trip each year to Tuscany and someone said, well, what do you suggest people bring for cameras? And I said, well, if you're not a photographer, just have a really good iPhone because you're going to enjoy those photographs, the images you make then so much more than you carrying around a camera. Mm -hmm. Professional photographer like we are, we're likely going to bring our 52 megapixel cameras so we can get the most dynamic range, although iPhones have a pretty good dynamic dynamic range. Mm -hmm. I just, we're not likely to do that. So, it, the best camera you have is the one that's in your hand. I don't care what it's like, whether it's a, a sunrise or whether it's about legacy and your grandfather is passing away and you want to get one last image of it, just as long as you have it. Right. So I don't see the photographers are required to be at every part of someone's life. Right, right. But I love that we're available when you want to document something. Right, right. I was uh, listening to PBS. Uh, they have the Moth Radio Hour, which is people tell stories on a Sunday night. And there was a Vietnam veteran telling a story of a battle and, you know, the drama and how he survived. And then at the end, he said, when we were done, you know, and the smoke cleared and everything, we not only had to deal with our dead and wounded, but we had to deal with the Vietnamese. And as we went through what they had on them, almost all of them had photographs. Yeah. And that just gave me chills. That just reminded me of how important it is what we do and that we make sure people have hard copies. I think you used that word when you were speaking using that. So do you want to go a little bit over how you do your sales or yeah i mean we we have there there are two different things that you've heard me talk about which is one is a sales process and one is a sales plan and frequently a lot of people get those two points confused the sales process is how you do it mm -hmm. right like how it happens some people put up two images you pick whichever one you like some people choose 10 images some people do a slideshow at first. Like, but that's all about your sales process. Uh -huh. A web gallery ahead of time and say, pick your favorite 40 and then come in. I mean, those are all processes, right? They're okay. How we get there. All right. That's a, a whole different game because a sales plan is that, that experience you have and your desire to help your clients have these images for their legacy and which you kind of mentally take note about what products or things they would like 
versus what products and things you think they should have versus what products and things they need, right? And there's like there's likes, needs, and professional opinion, of course, right? So they mm-hmm. may like a 40 by 80 print, but maybe their budget doesn't allow it, or maybe their room. Yeah, maybe the wall's not big enough for a whole bunch of things they'd like to have. You know, if you ask them what they like, I mean, the, the whole joke about Henry Ford saying, if I asked the consumer what they wanted, they would have wanted a faster horse. Right. You know, he, you know, he didn't invent the vehicle, Mercedes did, or Benz did, but um, but he certainly perfected the streamlining process of creating them. You know, so our, our goal isn't to just take what they like, because if you ask them what they want, they say, I want a 40 by 80 and I want it to be for free. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's what everyone would want, right? Like if I... I mean, what do you want for food? Well, I don't want to go get a filet and I want it to be less than $5. I mean, that's what right. you want, but right. that's not what's necessarily what's best for anyone involved because if there isn't, when there's no price, there's usually, when there's a low price, there's almost no value. Right. So many times associate what is valuable by how much they pay for something. You know, you buy a $90 steak and you think that must be a good steak. If you buy a $4 steak, you're thinking, I'm going to be sick tonight. Right. <laughs> right. Even if it's the exact same. Right. Because the price sometimes sets a value. Yeah. So, you know, within our world, we our sales plan is a little bit different for each product line that we offer. For instance, my sales plan for my headshot business, my PR images that we create, which we do, of course, sell files for because our clients don't need, in many cases, prints. Although we do sell prints for our headshots. but. Mm-hmm. Our sales plan is very different for a PR headshot client than it would be for a high school senior client or for a family portrait client, right? There's there's different plans we're going to have. And quite frankly, one of the big differences between like a high school senior client versus a family portrait client is that the family portrait is going to be focused a lot more on several wall portraits. Well, of course, we'll have a larger wall portrait because maybe there's three, four, five, six, however many adults or people in the, the photo. So head size plays a factor, right? Like you don't want to be little pennies of faces that you can't enjoy. Right. Or a high school senior might be a, an image, an individual image with a collage showing some uh, more of their character or interests at this point in their life. Okay. The plan might be, I'm just giving you an example, like the plan might be different and that's okay. So the plan is sort of the end result? So the plan is the, my, my, the plan is my professional experience saying many people, most people, we suggest that you order this. Okay. So it's easily deviated, meaning a client may very easily tell me, we don't want that. I don't like fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. gift prints i don't like wall art i don't like albums i don't like you know or they don't have a need for that and that's okay. okay so our plan is a way in which we are collaborating with them from our years of experience we want to we would love them to order a wall portrait first because it sets the tone for their home mm-hmm. that's the tone for everything like you know we always talk about uh if i had a, a given a choice i could I would wave that magic wand I'd love your wall portrait to be displayed from the kitchen, not in the kitchen, but viewed from the kitchen and viewed from another room. So you have this um, dual areas of transition that would allow you to enjoy your family up on the wall. Okay. Now, 
Not everyone's home does that though, right? That's where things start. That's why we say it's a collaboration. Got it. Okay. So when I'm teaching, I call it becoming the trusted advisor. You're describing what I would call that, which is helping them, you know, participating together and using my experience, my background, giving guidance for them. So can you do like a some bullet points of a sales plan starting from the first phone call or how you... I'll talk about our family portrait sales plan. Okay? Yes. So let's say I photograph your family. And of course, it's very easy in these sort of bullet points to like come up with reasons why someone wouldn't. But for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to assume... It's like improv. Every answer is yeah, right? <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. Okay. I took improv for a couple of years before COVID and yes, and. Yeah, and yes, it, Yes. Okay, yes, and, Jeff. <laughs> Sales plan. We want to we focus on a, a, an impact piece that is on the wall somewhere. And so, and at least one. And in many cases, depending on the home or the client, there may be a secondary family pose they really like that they could put in an office or a second home or for a host of reasons. They could have a portrait of them walking on the beach hand in hand, looking at each other, as well as a formal portrait with the pier in the background or or whatever. There may be two totally different poses, could be two totally different clothing situations. Okay. I'm, Jeff, I'm just a little bit lost. I need to hook into where we're starting this. So are we starting this at the first contact or are you talking about the design session? The sales plan starts at the end of your selection process. Okay. okay. Even though we're selling, if you will, by, by the, the nature of the idea of, of putting out the idea of concept, we are selling from the phone call the first time they call. We explain that we are a full service portrait studio. We are known for uh, producing and installing wall art. Like that's all selling if we want to be honest about yeah. it. Um, but it's not, definitely that's not our sales plan. Our sales plan kicks in after we are down to the point where we're down to the 18 or 26 or 42 or 12 images they love. Got it. When you ask the question, how are you going to use these? Okay. So step one, how are you going to use these? Whether you're saying that or whether yeah. you're saying, okay, let's take a look at how we can use these. Just to make sure I'm clear, you've done everything up to the point where you've narrowed down to the the best ones, the favorites. The ones they love. Yes. Okay. Then we're like, okay, what are we going to do with these? Yeah. So in, in my opinion, and this is where my sales plan starts, we should start with a wall portrait. And so let's pick your favorite one. Where is it going to go? In most cases, we, of course, use ProSelect. We use the, the production module, ProSelect Pro, um, for a couple of reasons. But we usually use Send My Rooms, which will allow the the client to send me a photo of their room with a little piece of paper on it that allows me to scale so I can show them exactly what an image will look like on their wall. Okay. And so once, let's just pretend that it's a 24 by 36. That's the size they want. And they say, okay, so we have this other family portrait. How are we going to use that? And that's when they say, well, we get the secondary room. Maybe we, this is the one of us walking on the beach. Maybe we do that in black and white to kind of offset any familiar colors so it doesn't look like it's the same session as much. 
and we're going to put that over the couch in the kid in the the den or something. Okay. And then so we go we go with that. Then we move to the next grouping, which would be mom and dad and the children. How do we want to hang these portraits? Usually, most parents will order a smaller one of themselves. It's like a new maybe it's a New England thing. It could be that same way in California. I know that in New England, the parents want like nothing larger than a 16-inch print of the two of them, but they'll do 24-inch portraits of their two kids or three kids. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. It's like almost yeah. like it's too, it almost seems braggy or something that they would put up a portrait of, you know, a mom and her husband or a dad. Right. Or, yeah. You know, moms or something like, you know, but for some reason that's how it is in New England. It may be different for you. But we're still in the wall portrait range here. We help them choose an image of the of a couple, if there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Choose an image of the three kids or, or whatever, and then see if an individual images of each child makes sense. Okay. And then we move to smaller portraits, like what we would call impact pieces. I think Tim Tim Walden probably calls them, and I probably got that from him. I think he calls them. I'll remember in a second. But they're they're smaller pieces that are that you might run adjacent to wall portraits or making little four four twelve by twelves in one one grouping or um gosh what does he call that yeah I call it a story group that's my word to think about it's still wall portraits. It could be a 14 by 14 or a 12 by 12 or it's it's um I'll stop thinking about it I'll remember it in a minute. Okay yes it'll download <laughs> we don't call it that way in our with our clients but there are secondary pieces of art that might go somewhere else okay like either three kids laughing yes you know might it would be in addition to the wall portrait generally. Right. right and then through our sales plan we would um ask them about gift portraits so eight by tens five by sevens uh images for family friends godparents the grandparents mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, and then if there's enough images in it, then we need to talk about seeing if a family album makes the most sense. Got it. And so if we go through that sales plan, it's just like a it's a, a map, if you will, for us to help help keep the client so that it's very easy to become scatterbrained. Right. Like, oh, yeah, we don't need a wall portrait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need one five by seven for my mom. And like, and that the problem is that they tend to forget all the things they're doing. And so if you just walk them through this plan, uh, then they're usually pretty happy. Yeah. So do you price it as you go along or do you do everything and say, now that's $40,000. How do you want to pay for that? We add everything to the cart. ProSelect has a cart feature that I just press the shopping cart and I add the 24 by 30 into the, with the frame they've chosen Right into the cart, and the client can see the price as it's going up. As you go along. So you're getting the agreement. I'm not afraid of it because it, it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah. if I was buying, I don't know what I would buy that would be stuff like But if I was buying something, I mean, if I was buying a bunch of things on Amazon, I certainly wouldn't want to add things to the cart and not watch the price go up. Like, right. I'd like to know if, if I've got a budget in mind, I'd like to monitor it. I'm a I'm an adult. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not a child, so I'm not afraid of why things are are what they cost because I know there's a value there, there's legacy there, there's history. There's also a master photographer with years of experience. In fact, in almost all our sessions, two master photographers with many years of experience show up to their sessions. 
you know, we are very good at our craft. We also install the portraits. All of those things tell me, and and actually the, the biggest thing is that the only place you can get my art is from me. So that's the price. And I charge what I need to charge to stay in business to be here five years from this time to redo your next portrait. Mm-hmm. And when your child has children, I want to be here for them. Like I want to be a full service legacy type studio for you. Right. And so we don't have any fear about saying the price out loud or having the client know the price. Right. Right. For us. Yes. And as they go along, they're kind of each number as the price is going as the total invoices going up they're sort of settling in a step at a time yeah then like a fire hose of okay we want all this now here's what what the invoice amount is for that so it i imagine there can still be sticker shock when they really think about it as a whole but i like um i do the same i stop and give a total before I go on to smalls of everything I consider wall to make sure, even though they've heard, uh, you know, this is this much and this is that much hearing the total total. So we can figure out where we go from there is something I didn't used to do. And then people would just be overwhelmed. And yeah. So here's where I'm not going to say I disagree and I don't because it's not because I I should the totals on the screen every time yeah. I add a, a thing. One of the things I'll mention is that I don't say the prices out loud, not because I'm afraid of them, but because because of my own problem with pricing. Right? I believe they're valuable, but mm-hmm. what I believe is a, is one of my highest portrait sales might be what they were expecting to pay, and what I believe is a ridiculously reasonable portrait sale might be something they've saved up 12 years for. Either way, you can apply something in your voice that says something that says something different than what they're feeling. In fact, I guarantee you're almost always going to say something different than what they're feeling. So if someone says, where are we at right now? And I just open the cart and show them, and not highlight, but I show them what their total is. I let them say it because if I say it, I'm living inside my checkbook. If they say in their head, they're going to live inside their checkbook. Interesting. And it's not that I'm trying to get them to go up or spend more. It's simply that I don't want to apply my sense of value mm-hmm. to that. I yeah. want that. And if it's too much, they'll say, okay, we're approaching my top end. Okay. Right. So we've got a couple more things we do what you said you wanted to add. So if they if they mention that in the middle of you know step one, I'm going to say, so before we go further. Uh, you did. You did say you wanted to get some portraits for Grandma for Christmas, and that's that's one of the reasons. So then now they say you're right. We do, and it's up to them to give you the go ahead of. We're going to go past our budget. Got it. Of course, it's not as big as Photoshop, right? But it feels like it might as well be because it does so much. Yes, people are usually afraid to put the time into to do it, and ProSelect is one of those pieces of software. It does a lot. Oh, it's incredible. It's a long time to learn it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can use it from day one and just show it images and, and handwrite it if you want, or like getting the pricing and the frames in, the frames calculated, the pricing, the yeah. add-ons, the percentages. It just takes effort, but that's what we're doing. We're running a business here. This isn't a hobby. Right. right? 
So it takes time sometimes to to do all that and to get it up and running so that it's efficient. Right. No, no store. I mean, we walked through Portsmouth, New Hampshire this morning, and we passed by all these wonderful little art stores. I guarantee you, even though they're cute and they've got all these great, they have an inventory control system. Right. It's not just in someone's head. And right. so one of the things I see frequently amongst newer photographers or even some established photographers is they don't treat their business like a business, mm-hmm. their business like a hobby. Right. And I certainly want them to be profitable. And Absolutely. if you're not making any money, as you know, it's called a hobby. So if you choose it to be a hobby and you treat it like a hobby, it's likely going to be a hobby. But if you mm-hmm. put the time in and create a sales process, a sales plan, and choose a software, I don't care whether it's another software besides ProSelect, I, whatever works for you works for you. Right, right. Yes. Because to get successful, you're going to need that. You're going to start buying your time back. Right. Absolutely. The way to do it is to do it right in the first place and you don't have to buy as much back. Yeah, I got it. So we're just about out of time. Boy, that went fast. I know. <laughs> and I'm really proud of myself for being able to record this in a way that'll be easy to pop on video. So if anybody has listened to this, but you're a YouTube fan and you want to look at his handsome face and that I'm having a good hair day, <laughs> pop over to YouTube and find us there. So well, Lewis, thank you for having me. It was been a pleasure again. Uh, it was great to see you in person and uh, I'm always happy to help if I can. Thank you. So I have two quick questions. Okay. If somebody wants to know more, get in touch with you, say hello, whatever. Uh, certainly find me at jdachowskippa at mail.com. So that's jdachowskippa at mail.com. How do you spell Kachowski? D-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. Okay. You can check out our work, our sellable work at thechowskiphotography.com. Okay. Uh, Follow us over on Instagram, Dachowski underscore photography. Or as I always joke, there's still 12 more spots for you to follow us on Instagram. We've got 12 more spots. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> yes, and follow me on Instagram too. I'm upping my Instagram action these days. So, all right. And so I want your either parting word or if there's something that you feel like, oh, I wish I had shared this. So this is your opportunity for your last word. Well, I'll leave you with this. One of the most frustrating things we ever did in our studio for the, it's 20 years now that we've been in business. Uh, we, we had a lot of fear and trepidation about our own value. You know, for us, mm-hmm. we, we didn't believe we were worth it or we listened to people who told us we weren't worth it because they wanted to get it for free or, or, or any of those sort of things. I'm going to tell you that you, you are worth it. The only place that's going to give your take on photography, your portrait, your landscape, whatever it is, is you. So if there was only one supply of one thing in the world, you certainly would be able to charge whatever you wanted for it. And so I'm not telling you to charge a specific thing. I'm just saying you're worth it. You've got to, you've got to be profitable when you do this. Because yes. if not, you won't be doing this. And I know if you're listening to this, you love photography, you love what you do, and you probably would like to make more money at it so that you can provide for your family in the lifestyle or or whatever you want to do. So charge what you're worth and don't fear it for a second. Right. Every day people walk into stores 
and they don't buy anything because they're not that store's customer. Mm. Every day. So when people call you and say, I want to get a portrait made, and they say, it's how much? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not interested. That's not about you. That's about their value. Right. Your value. Got it. I believe in your value. I love it. Thank you, Jeff, so much for being on the show. Thank you, Lucy. My pleasure. Everything you've done for this industry, and I know we'll do in the future. So happy to be here. See you. Hopefully, see you at Imaging USA. Yes. Yes. It's I'm all booked, ready to roll. Me too. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Well, I forgot to remind you (laughs) to stay tuned for my wrap up, but here it is. Hopefully, you stuck around after I said goodbye to Jeff. Um, Before I do, just reminding you to catch me on YouTube. And I'm really grateful if you would follow me or subscribe on YouTube. I'm trying to get enough subscribers on my new channel so that I can have a custom name instead of a long bunch of numbers. And also because I want you to be able to absorb all the goodness in the video form if that's something that you enjoy. So little wrap up. We talked about the Professional Photographers of America. Um, I meant to ask him if people can join if they don't live in the U.S. And I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. So you can, um, you know, there's education. There's there's so many things, even if you're not living in the same country. So joining is highly recommended. And then we talked about the value of selling hard copies, printed work for our clients. And I like that he said, we're not for everybody. So when you think about, oh, you know, in my area, people won't won't buy that. Well, in every area, there are a lot of people that won't. And our job is to find those that will. Um, he considers what he does with clients collaboration. So they're working together to figure out what would be beautiful as art in their homes. And um, instead of trying to sell, 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 he's working with them. And I like that. And then I love the quote uh, from Ken Whitmire that he said is that wall portraits are the most talked about pieces of furniture in your home. And if you're um, wondering what's that piece of equipment behind my chair, if you're seeing this visually, but if you're listening, behind my chair is a big white projection. I'm now in my conference room and I have a movie screen on the other side of the room. And so my clients and I sit at the back of this room like a theater. And that's how I sell my work. And then he talked about his sales plan. So what you do step by step once you have the images and how we start with the wall portrait, the main thing, and then the next, and then groupings and keep working down smaller ones, gift portraits, albums, and so forth. So having a system and starting with the larger images is something that works for him. And then his last word was to remember that there's only one way that somebody can get what it is that you offer. You're a one of a kind. So that means what you do 
has value and it has high value because it's it's completely unique. They cannot get it anywhere else. So thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing or following everywhere you can and staying in touch and um, sending out a big hug. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.